High school hockey fans of Wisconsin, welcome back to This Week in Wisconsin Prep Hockey, another weekly edition with Bill Berg, Bill Jr., and also Del Scanlon along with, for the show. And tonight we got a special guest with us who's, uh, this man probably needs no introduction to high school hockey in the state of Wisconsin. Of course, we're talking about Dan Bauer. How you doing, Dan? Great. Thanks for having me on. So well, we all know that you're you're retired, but you're still um, you know coaching with the storm. You know, a couple of games a week, many practices a week. Uh, did you did you forget to look up what retired meant in the dictionary? Uh, no, I I actually when I did retire, which is I don't even know, I guess year four maybe. Um, yeah, I was just I knew right away it was not there was not going to be enough going on for me so um, plus I I just I still really enjoy coaching I just I love going to the rink I love practice so it was a no-brainer for me to, to keep going I you know I just be perfectly honest I can't imagine not doing it so um, I was just happy that uh, Jacques was you know had uh, offered me the spot and everything worked out and I was able to keep coaching and, and get rid of the two hour commute every day, which after five years was just, just kind of had had enough of that. Just felt like I couldn't keep going with that anymore. So when you're not coaching, what are you doing? Uh, you know, writing, still doing some of that. I did quite a bit of last year. I subbed a lot. Actually, I subbed two days a week, almost the entire year because they couldn't get anyone to come in. Uh, this year I haven't subbed a day at all. So, uh, yeah, mostly writing, working on, uh, hockey practice plans. Um, right now we have my oldest daughter and her two-year-old, almost two-year-old son living with us and her husband there just moved, uh, just left Africa, Zambia, and they're in the States now until they get their visas cleared to go to Australia. So we're, They've been here for about a month now, which has been fun. So, but um, yeah, you know, I still get to chase the twins around a little bit and see what they're doing. And uh, so, I don't know. I mean, you, you find ways to fill up the day for sure. Not a lot of hockey rinks in Zambia or Australia, <laughs> I would guess. No, no. Kristen was the figure skater. So, she oh, was, okay. Yeah, her and Becca both figure skated in between. Theron and then the twins so yeah she's uh she taught over in Zambia they were over there for almost nine years and and uh I was hoping they were going to move closer to the United States but I think they actually got farther away so yeah, farther away so. and in the other direction yeah yeah what part of Australia are they going to Dan um the west side I think I think I'm not even sure. I know once you get to Australia, you have to fly across the country to get to their side. So directionally, I'm not sure what that is. But. Okay. I, I was just kind of curious. I, I had the luxury of being able to go to Perth, Australia, and that that vicinity when I was in the Navy, we, that was one of our port calls. So. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure it'll be a great adventure for them. Now, you're uh, an assistant with the storm still. Um, I want to talk about the storm a little bit. Um, you know, we've been watching the storm for a long time, obviously. Um, you know, the burglar, you know, was based in Anago and now he's based in Weston. I'm here in Weston. So the storm is kind of our home team, um, through a long time, through a lot of different coaches, I had never seen the storm play as aggressively as I saw them playing this year. Um, I think there have been storm teams in the past that had more actual firepower with putting the puck in the net but I've never seen the storm play top to bottom as aggressively as they are this year through all those teams and all those coaches. Um, is that just Jacques style or is that something that the, the girls wanted to pursue? Um, I think it's a, a, a little bit of a combination. It is, you know, I think when Jacques took over, you know, obviously stepping in after Susan's had been there and, and Pete's a very structured um, coach and believes in his systems, you know, maybe just very structured. I guess that's the best way I can put it. And I think um, when Jack came in, he wanted to, you know, do something different and kind of change the 
the narrative a little bit. So he came in with a really explosive. Um, in fact, last year they basically ran what they call the Swedish torpedo, which is four forwards and one defenseman. And that's kind of what they ran with last year. And he sort of just cut them loose. And, and uh, at the beginning of last year, they really fought it and weren't so sure that they were going to buy into it. But um, about midway through the year, he said they, they lost a couple of games and then they kind of were getting frustrated because they were kind of caught in between the two. And when they finally decided to try his style, it's when they really took off and started playing well. We've kind of a little bit of both of that this year. I mean, we're, we're probably a little bit um, opposite of each other. And I think we knew that when we decided to, to try this is I'm a little more structured based probably. And he's maybe a little bit less, but we're kind of finding a meet in the middle that we're both happy with. And uh, yeah, they've been, they've been playing pretty good hockey. I mean, we've been pretty happy um, with our results. You know, we, we lost a couple and, but uh, generally they've, they've been pretty solid for us. Uh, the Storm routinely play the hardest schedule in the state. Um, obviously, you guys aren't in a conference at this point, so it's an entire non-conference schedule. You guys schedule whoever you can, when you can, and you play everybody at the at the top of the rankings. Um, you know, going through coaching all the years you did as a head coach and as an assistant and seeing, obviously, your own daughters went on to play college hockey. Um, seeing all the teams that you're you're seeing across the state, you know, which players stand out to you this year as those players that are going to move on and play at the next level uh, when they're done in high school? Uh, there's some uh, some really good talent out there. I mean, obviously, Zilich jumps off the uh, chart. Uh, I think anybody that goes and watches her play, and um, I think you guys were at uh, the game the other night when they played us, and she's basically – took it over when she wanted to and just the velocity and accuracy that she could shoot the puck with is just is amazing to me. Um, she's just a fun, fun player to watch. Maybe not as much fun when you're on the other bench, but, but you have to respect how good she is. Um, you know, Rent Meester obviously is a really good hockey player for them and still pretty young. Um, this, uh, Sunby down in, uh, the fusion. I don't know if you've seen them play yet or not, but she is a, she's a really interesting little player. Um, not very big, but just outstanding with the puck and, and hockey smarts and just really, again, one of those players I think is really fun to watch. Um, Hayward's got two freshmen, um, Sheehan and 17, I think is the other one that both play on their first line and they're both going to be really good hockey players. Um, Autumn um, Cooper from Superior, really good hockey player. Uh, number two from Bay Area. I can't pronounce her last name, but she's kind of sneaky out there. Like you watch her and you're not really thinking like she's going to do that much damage, but uh, she's a really good player. I think Bay Area might be, the most balanced team that we played that has like the most depth, uh, maybe them or Metro links. I think Metro links has a lot of depth too. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's some, there's some really good players. Bronson from on Alaska. She's, she's a good hockey player. Uh, somebody you have to pay attention to when you play against them. And um, we did, we haven't seen Western Wisconsin. We're playing them this weekend. So I know they have two or three players that have been putting up a lot of points. So Sure, I probably missed a few in there, but those are just some that uh, I can think of off the top. And uh, the Fox, what's, go ahead, Del. Uh, the Fox Cities team, you, you guys played them uh, basically a week ago. Uh, it, it was a really close game, four to three, and th th they're sitting there 16, one and one. And I think that their one tie was against uh, Bay Area. Yep. And stuff. Uh, What's their team like? I haven't got, I haven't gotten to see them. Burglar hands. I mean, they have, they have some good depths too. I mean, they're, you know, they have, they play three lines pretty, pretty regularly. They, um, for two periods when they played us, they pretty much split Zilich and Rent Meester. And then the third period they played together quite a bit. Uh, but those are really, I mean, those are the two that, 
I feel like, you know, if you can, if you can shut those two down when you play them, you're going to have a pretty good chance at coming out ahead. And, um, but they're just, uh, I mean, Zilich is just, she's just good. Like she's, she's, I kind of call her, I think, uh, uh, Daryl Belfry has a name for players like that. He calls them spiders that just sort of, sort of lure the puck towards them. Like they just sort of are kind of not really don't know where they are. And all of a sudden just out of nowhere, they're there and they have the puck and they're right on top of the goalie. And she's very good at that. And she just skates so well, uh, competes hard. And just her shot is just, I mean, it's, 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 it's real good. Three of them right under the bar. And they just, I don't know that anybody would stop them. Bay Area is the only team that has kept her out of the net this season. In their first game, Bay Area won five to two, and she didn't have a point. In the second one, it was that one to one tie, and she didn't have a point. Yeah, I the do, only yeah. those are the only games this year she hasn't scored a goal. Yeah, I would I would believe that. I, like I said, I think if you can keep her off of the score, she'd have a pretty good chance of being successful against them. But um, that's a really really tall task to shut. Well, yeah, we, we we can we can talk about one of the. I mean that that game last week um, was our game of the week, so we were going to talk about that at some point anyway. Um, and I was going to, I was going to mention that, you know, had this had, you know, we still been playing, uh, you know, 15 minute periods, uh, you guys may have won that game. Um, cause you did keep things under control for, well, for about 14 minutes out of each period. Um, the, the storm did, uh, control. Yeah. Like I said, the first 14 minutes of each period, but everybody, we, everybody talks about Zilich and Rentmeester, you know, and, and they're scoring, but like you said, Fox City's rolling three lines, and um, on their second line, um, uh, what's in her name? Uh, oh yeah, Malaya Streck. She is yeah. just she is just nonstop. I mean, she's just all over the ice constantly. And I mean, rolling those. I I, I don't know. It, it, it did it did seem like they wore you down because it it was like in the last three minutes of the period, last three minutes of the first period. Um, you know, Zillish got the puck and came in along the side and no, she skated out from the corner, put a backhand up top, uh, just over a minute to go in the second period. Um, she, you know, skated down the right side, got around your defenseman, came to the front of the net and shot and scored, uh, about a half minute later, she got the puck again. And, um, you know, I think your defenseman, you know, backed up a little too deep and she was able to pick that spot again. And in the, the you know, with just with under three minutes to go in the third period, you know, Rentmeister got the puck and scored. So it's like you guys had them. Uh, did they just wear you down or because? Uh, I mean, I don't know. I mean, we we play three lines pretty religiously also. I mean, we, we seldom, I don't think there's been a really a game this year where we even backed up and played two. Uh, we pretty much played three from start to finish. So um, yeah, I mean, I just think it was, it was just timing. Just, I don't know. I don't know that we were necessarily wore down. I just think she, those are good opportunities. I mean, when I went through the film and, and went through all the scoring opportunities and all the stats, I mean, I think she probably had, I think I graded out like 10 or 11 grade A, what I call grade A scoring chances. And so she probably could have had two or three more goals. I know she hit the crossbar on one and um, so she, I mean, she's going to get her chances. It's just, you know, you, you got to try to somehow disrupt her a little bit, whether it's getting a stick in the lane or whatever it might be, but, um, or our goalie coming up with that, you know, a great save for us. And Boy, that's a, the, the picture that I used on the, on the front cover of the site of that game actually has her um, getting by one of your defensemen and making a move on the goalie. Uh, but your goal, your goal actually did stop that one. That, that was that was not a goal. It, I mean, you look at the oh, pictures. Yeah. Oh, she scored it, but she didn't. Yep. Um, the yeah, goalie did stop her on that one. Um, yeah, I, Chloe, thought, I thought it was a nice picture. Yeah, Chloe Lemke is, you know, if I probably had to pick an MVP of our team at this point in the season, I would probably pick her. Uh, she's, she, uh, especially early in the year, I mean, she played some fantastic uh, games for us and, and allowed us to get some wins, so she's she's been really solid for us in that. But um, but but there's there, there's no way in hell that she is going to stop a shot that is six inches under the crossbar, because her her head is six inches under the crossbar. 
<laughs> yeah, no, it's, I mean, and that shot that she has is, is, you know, it's just, it's a different velocity than she's used to seeing in, in uh, probably our practices for sure. I remember uh, she's a junior this year, Chloe Lemke. Yeah. Uh, when, yep. she, when she was a freshman, um, she played 146 regular season minutes, so just shy of three games. It was two starts, and then I think she did the third period of a game. And then she's, um, she started the sectional final against Fox Cities with basically two games under her belt. Now, Fox Cities won that on their way to a, a state championship that year. And now, two years later, she's a junior. And I was going to ask, you know, how much – you know, the team is playing so much more aggressive. How much has Lemke's play helped them do that? Because this year, even she's 200 minutes fewer than she was last year at this point, but she has the same number of shots on goal against. Um, so you guys are giving up shots um, actually more than you did last year, but her goals against average is better and her save percentage is better. Yeah. Um, yeah. We, I mean, we've been outshot probably. I don't know, three or four games, I would say this year. I think Bay Area outshot us uh, for sure. Fox did, Fox Cities, uh, Metro Lynx, I think, did. I mean, not, we haven't been, you know, outshot by like 20 or anything. But yeah, there's been a few games where we've been on the wrong end of that. And um, I think part of that is, you know, we're, we're actually a pretty young team. I mean, we regularly right now are playing three freshmen back on defense and you know, so there's a learning curve there for those girls. And I mean, they're all good players and they're all going to be really good players, but they're still freshmen at this point and still making a few mistakes. So, you know, I just think, you know, I like Jacques, you know, philosophy is, you know, we're just trying to get as many girls ready as we can for playoff push and, you know, trying to find out who, who can play and who needs to play where and with who and, um, so, you know, if we, if we drop a game here or there along the way, it's not, uh, anything we get too worried about. We just want to keep uh, trying to get better as a team. And, and, uh, I think we've done that so far. So. Well, speaking of playoffs, how, how did you guys pull that off? Um, getting it, getting moved out of the section with Bay area and Fox cities and up there where you basically your only competition is going to be Hayward. I do I don't know how that happened. Um, I'm on the girls board and I did not know that that was even, I, it was not discussed at any meeting that I was at, that they were looking at trying to change that. Um, so I, I really don't know where that came from, but uh, it came up at the advisory meeting and then all of a sudden, uh, you know, six weeks later we get this new lineup. So not really sure what, what spurred that? Well, Coach Brandt talked about that last week with, with Wausau West as well, because on the boys' side, a couple schools, you know, enrollment changes. So, so a couple teams went up to D1 and a couple teams dropped down to D2. And uh, we got two teams back this year that had not played WIA in a while. And Wausau is right in the middle of the state. So you could really just kind of stick them anywhere they fit. So it's kind of hard to, to, to predict where you're going to be if you're, if you're in Wausau. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't know what, you know, the only thing I've ever been told, I mean, I was on the, the advisory committee for like, I, don't know, I was on it like 15 years, something like that. And the only thing we were ever told is that it's just all geography and it's just, you know, as teams come and go or drop and add, you know, sometimes I guess they just look at it and decide to switch it or, you know, I'm, I'm guessing it's probably some teams complaining or some teams asking about it. And, and, but uh, you know, they've always just told me it's about geography and it seems like their geography. Sometimes they are really East West focused and sometimes they're really North South focused and you just never know which way they're going to go. Speaking of we're at 28 teams um, in girls hockey this year. Um, Obviously, you've been involved in girls hockey for a long time now, boys hockey before that. But uh, what's your opinion of the state of, of girls hockey? Um, do you do you think there are any more teams in the pipeline? Maybe get up to 32 at some point? Um, Maybe get up to 40? I think there's some pockets in the state that are really growing quickly um, and are, are adding a lot of girls. And I'm hoping... Um, that that's going to translate into more teams at some point. Um, you know, even 
um, with the storm and we have a, just a really large uh, youth group now that's going to be coming through in the next few years and I really think in four or five years they're going to have so many players that they're going to have to think about doing something there. Um, I know Milwaukee area there's um, some areas down around there they're really growing with the girls game um, and I'm kind of doing a little bit of research right now about writing a story I haven't really sent anything out yet but just um, you know like where is the future of hockey in Wisconsin on the boys and the girls side I you know open enrollment I think was a huge mistake personally I just think that that was a a can of worms that they never dreamed was going to turn out the way it did. Um, co-ops, I, you know, were supposed to be a way for us to grow programs and then split. And I just don't feel like that's happening. That's happened. Um, and there's a lot of reasons for that. You know, for instance, the anytime that it's been talked about that the storm would split, you know, it's the, the open enrollment piece is there. So, you know, so let's say, okay, we're going to split. It's going to be D.C. Everest and Mosley, and it's going to be East and West. Well, if the majority of the girls feel like the East-West storm is going to be the best storm, then a bunch of those girls are going to open and roll to those schools. And if they feel like the other ones are going to be, uh, maybe they open roll to that school. And then how do you ever get to that point where you can actually – split you know i mean what is is there going to be enough girls left and it's i don't know there's just a lot of things like that that i don't know how they get solved exactly and, and what's going to happen moving forward um i just think sometimes people are more concerned about what's happening with their daughter and their program and we don't look at the greater good of what we're trying to build but that's just my take I mean, we've, we've talked about it on the podcast a couple of times, but my daughter is in Learn to Skate in Everest Youth Hockey this year. Um, she's five, so she's got a long way to go before she's in high school. Uh, personally, and nothing against the storm, my preference would be that, you know, in 10 years when she's 15 and she's in high school, she plays for DC Everest, not the central Wisconsin storm, just as that is my personal preference. Um, and I hope that we can get there. What? Yeah, I think, I mean, I hope that that's what everyone wants and that's where everyone wants to get to is, is get programs back to just single school programs. I mean, I, the co-op has been a great way to keep things going, to be perfectly honest. I don't know where the girls program would even be if we didn't have co-ops. I mean, I don't even know if we'd have one. Um, and what do we have like one team in the state that doesn't co-op from the girls side is Hudson the only one that doesn't, well, I mean, I, well, yeah, it depends on what you consider a co-op. Like um, Medford, they've they've got a girl too from Rib Rib Lake. I mean, Rib Lake, they 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 play hockey for Medford. You know, it's not like Rib Lake could have they don't they have they don't have their own rink. Um, Northland Pines, they might have a girl from you know uh, one of the you know small town up there that does not have its own rink. Really? I don't really consider them to be co-ops. Like when Anago on the boys' side, Anago had a, a, a player from White Lake. Well, he played youth hockey in Anago. I mean, he there is no White Lake hockey, so you know, I don't. I mean, technically, it's a co-op, but I don't really consider those to be co-ops. So if you look at yeah, like Superior, they got a couple of players from Northwestern. That's just outside of Superior. They don't have their own hockey thing. So I think we got like four that are. Uh, you look at Medford, Pine, Superior, and and Hudson. I would consider those four as you know not being your 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 co-op type things. Yeah, and I and I think that's you know that should be the goal. I mean, of all the programs, I know when I we when we merged Wapaka and uh, the uh, Red Panthers together. You know, my first thing I told everybody is like, my goal is like, to, you know, I don't know how long I'll be doing this, but I said, my goal is like, get all these programs back on their own again. Like, Alpaca has their own team, you know, and Spash has a team, and Marshfield used to have their own team. I mean, you look at all the programs that used to have their standalone 
girls teams and there's right, but then but then on. didn't they also merge their youth associations well they on the girls side they had to do some of that because again they don't have enough kids to to put a team together so i mean like the the valley union and the storm actually co-opt at the u14 level like the last two years they aren't, aren't doing it this year i don't think but um, they had to the last few years because neither one of them had enough girls to make a team but so you know it's it comes to you know growing the programs from the bottom up and you know i think everyone has figured that out now but it's going to take a while for the those kids and those programs to build up enough uh, players to go out on their own and then be brave enough to just go do it and i think that it's going to be for some of those co-ops when they do get to that discussion they're going to have to accept that there's going to be hurt feelings in some of those kids like okay let's not do it this year let's do it next year after my daughter graduates <laughs> well you know what next year it's someone else's daughter yeah. and that's that's always going to be there so at some point someone's going to have to have hurt feelings because you know maybe they're on the greatest you know, central Wisconsin storm team that ever was rather than, you know, DC Everest and Mosinee having a team and the two Wassa schools and, and Merrill having a team. Uh, well, yeah, they're going to have to put the good of the program ahead of their own player. Well, and you just hope at, at some point, I mean, there might be, you know, if it comes to that point, all right, yeah, here we go. We're going to do it. We're going to split. Um, you know, and it might be a couple of rough years for one of the programs, but hopefully if you have enough players, there's still going to be players that be like, you know what, I don't care if I'm not on the best, whatever team, I just want to be able to play every day. So I'll go here because I'm going to get, to, I'm going to get to play and I'm not going to be sitting on the bench. So um, you get more, yeah, you, you end up, you end up with more ice time. <laughs> yeah, so but yeah, it's, you know, and obviously parents are always going to have play a large part in that. I don't think there's any way around that. Well, I think it helps because girls hockey in Wisconsin is, is the smallest of all of Wisconsin's winter sports. Like if, if it's, if it's a girl who's thinking she's going to play at the next level, we've seen plenty of, of, you know, really outstanding girls hockey players who are on, bad teams still make it to that next level because girls hockey in Wisconsin is small enough that you can't, you can't hide a player like that. They still stand out. Um, like even at UWO player while your while your daughters were there, um, there were, you know, a couple players from, you know, that what were essentially pretty bad superior teams who were division three college hockey players at Eau Claire because they were still really good and they still got noticed because girls hockey is still small enough that nobody really gets a chance to hide. No, if you're, I mean, that's something I've always tried to preach to players is yeah, if you're good enough, they'll find you. I wish more parents would understand that, but they don't necessarily seem to buy into that same philosophy, but if you're good, I mean, college coaches will find you. That's, that's their job. I mean, they're, you know, they want to win just like everybody else and they're looking for players who can help them do that. And, um, so, yeah, I mean, and, and, you know, as it, sometimes the girls have to be proactive, you know, I mean, when my two were senior year and they, there was no one that had talked to them at all about playing and they just started writing letters to coaches and, and, uh, you know, strand at Eau Claire came to watch him play. And, and fortunately that night they had like a great night and played really well and, and uh, he just, he basically came up to him after the, that game and said, I want both of you guys in Eau Claire. Like, that's, I can tell you right now. So, um, but yeah, it's, it's, sometimes you got to help get the word out, but uh, I think sometimes people are spend far too much time and effort on that. And uh, again, if you're, if you're a good player, they'll, they'll find you. Should we uh, move on to the other, the, the other uh, game of the week that we had, I think we pretty much covered the Fox cities and central Wisconsin game of the week. The other one was uh, I went over to uh, Eau Claire 
to Hobbs to watch uh, the number one and number two teams in the state play on the boys' side. Um, Hudson, number one all season. Um, Oakland Memorial got off to a slow start, but worked their way up to number two. Um, and it, yeah, it's it, it's it's nice ha- being able to go back into ranks again. You know, we I, we've we didn't get to go to any games last year. Um, and going back and I mean, Hobbs was packed. It was full. Um, Eau Claire Memorial, they had, uh, their, their student section was packed wearing all white or mostly white. Uh, Hudson brought along a huge student section. Uh, Eau Claire Memorial had their pep band there for the entire game. Um, oh yeah, you guys had the pep band for like maybe a period at your game, but yes. the pep, the pep band at Greenheck Fieldhouse Hockey Rink. I love having the band at a game, but it's kind of lost there because the, the acoustics in that place are so bad. It's just noise reverberating off all the metal and concrete. Um, they, they tried, but, you know, um, but the, yeah, the one in Eau Claire, it was, it, the, the place was packed. It was a raucous atmosphere. Um, Hudson scored just a little over two minutes into the game on a goal that should not have been. I mean, I, I, I don't know what, I don't know what the officials were thinking, but there was a, a clear offside um, going in. I mean, they came into the Eau Claire zone, came back, you know, the puck came back out, and I don't know if it was shortly after the faceoff, if like the linesman had thought he handed off to the referee or the ref. I don't think either of them were watching, and I think Eau Claire let up a little bit, and Hudson went down and scored. Um, and it it it. Yeah, it just, it was confusing. Um, the referees kind of looked at each other and kind of shrugged their shoulders and it was a goal because uh, there is no replay for that kind of stuff in, in high school hockey. But um, otherwise, it was a fairly balanced game. Um, well, Hudson had a little better of the action. Uh, Hudson got two four or five on five goals. Uh, the other four goals were all power plays, both teams. Just excellent defense. You could not get you could not get the puck in front of their net um, under control, except when it was on the power play. Um, my favorite goal. I didn't. I was I was just dumbfounded. And, you know, having my camera right here, I didn't even you know push the button to click because uh, a shot that hit off the pipe hit the Hudson goalie in the back and was laying in the crease. Well, you know six inches in front of the goal line and the goalie was, you know, he was just kind of still kind of looking his head around to see where the puck was. And there was one kid from Eau Claire who, who finally did see it. Um, and, you know, he went and jabbed at it and, and poked it into the net. Um, but otherwise it was, yeah, I, I, did, I got a picture of him poking the net, but I didn't get a, a picture of it lying there. That was uh, Connor Byrne who scored that one, but, yeah, good game. Just it was it was fun, packed. Uh, two teams just going at it hard. Uh, very physical game. Um, they let them rest. Let them get away with a lot of stuff in front of the net. I thought um, uh, there there was one instance where you know right after the the puck was frozen, um, one of the players did you know cross check the guy. Another the other team came in and hit him. Well, those two guys both went to the box but otherwise they let a lot of stuff go um at the whistle and after the whistle and, and that kind of stuff but uh i don't think anybody's complaining about it it was just a, a good physical hockey game uh hudson had a little more firepower than memorial did um but yeah fun game in fact we're gonna um well it's not it's not actually a game of the week but uh, this week on Thursday, uh, Bill and I will go uh, up to Marathon Park because um, the, the number three team, uh, we've seen number one and number two, number three team, Oakland North, is coming to uh, Marathon Park to play Wausau West on Thursday. Then on Saturday, we're going to go all the way across over to Hudson. Um because we were invited to uh, by Davis Trubisky. They're, they're, they're the doubleheader uh, boys game at one o'clock girls game at three o'clock. Uh, both of them are fundraisers. 
uh, cancer awareness fundraisers. Um, so if you're in the area around Hudson, um, go to those games, make your donations. Um, but yeah, we're going to go over there for that. That should be fun. Yeah. When a, when a man whose name is on the Stanley cup says, Hey, come to our game. You just say, yes, sir. <laughs> do you get a chance to go out and just watch games for enjoyment at all, Dan anymore? Or do you be too busy with the, with the storm? Um, I haven't, I haven't got out too much. I watched a little bit of, uh, Notre Dame and Eau Claire Memorial at Marathon Park the other night. I stayed and watched some of that. Um, I usually try to get out and see East play at least once a year, just old times sake. <laughs> but, uh, you know, and then I went and watched the union play, uh, once or twice again, just kind of touch base with everybody and, um, so yeah, I mean, I try to get to games. I, I don't know, I've been seeing a lot. Um, I was going to try to get to the Eau Claire Stevens Point college game this last weekend, but I didn't make it over to that. So, but I still enjoy, yeah, just going and watching for fun. All right. Uh, Dell or MJ, do you have any more questions for Dan? Dan, about the only thing I can ask you is I know you're pretty busy with the storm, but you still find time to take care of the stuff around the house that the wife wants done. <laughs> yeah some of it i'm not exactly the most handy guy in the world i wouldn't say so there's some of that first thing she, I, she doesn't want me to take care of because it won't turn out well so first thing i told my wife is you did not marry bob vila i yeah. am not good at anything I'm not bad outside but inside not, not so good as my other son bob says just hire a guy yeah I, whenever i can i do somebody knows what they're doing I could just I could just picture uh, the, the realtor going through um, the, the house when, when we were selling our house in Anago that we lived in for almost 30 years. Um, yeah, the guy the, the guy that lived here for the last 30 years, I mean, he liked doing he liked doing a lot of the stuff modifications himself. He just wasn't very good at it. <laughs> Is that why when you were getting ready to sell the house, I'm the one that replaced like light fixtures and outlets and. Well, no, just because I thought you could be electrocuted better than I could. <laughs> I was expendable. Yes. All right. Um, you can stick around if you want coach or uh, you don't have to. Uh, All right. Well, thank you guys for having me on. I appreciate it. And uh, I've got a couple new stories I'll be sending out to here pretty quick. I've been working on so any sneak previews so. for the because I know that you're you're pretty popular with the readers. So <laughs> any sneak previews on those? Um, no, they're just kind of the, the same. Well, you'll see. They're you know just life experience. Something has to either happen to me or be around something that I'm, I'm a motivational writer. Something's gotta trip my trigger before I can sit down and really get after it. So it's a couple of personal things probably, but yeah, I'll get some of those okay. out to you soon. All right, I appreciate you guys all the years of, of giving me that, uh, that forum or that platform. That's awesome. I really appreciate that. And uh, I enjoy doing it. So thanks. I look forward to reading it, Dan. Thank you very much for what you do. All right, guys. Thanks. Have a good right. night. Thank you. Okay. That is Dan Bauer joined us tonight here on this week in Wisconsin prep hockey um, going back to other games, Bill jr. You had the chance to go see the Fox river classic championship game. What did you see? Well, I was in, I was invited to that one as well. Um, uh, Bayport uh, radio uh, at voice of BP on Twitter. Um, they broadcast all of the, the Bayport uh, hockey games and many of the other Bayport high school sporting events. Uh, their normal, um, color man, uh, Marcus Nimi, Nimi, uh, who was their goalie the last several years, uh, was unavailable. So they asked if, if we could send somebody to be their color man, uh, Dell was busy. Uh, burglar was not missing the Packer game. So I said, I'll do it. I've never done it before, but I'll do it. Uh, so I went to, you know, Notre Dame or to Cornerstone and, and checked out this game doing something I've never done before, which is kind of, kind of fun. Uh, I enjoyed that. Uh, Chris at uh, Bayport Radio, uh, excellent play-by-play. Um, it, was, it was a really fun experience for me. As far as the game goes, it was far better than I expected. Um, 
the last two times or the last time Bayport and Notre Dame played uh, Notre Dame outshot them 44 to 19 in a four to two Notre Dame win. Um, the two teams always play close games like that, you know, one, two goals, but the shots are always lopsided in Notre Dame's favor. And none of that changed in this one. The shots were still lopsided in Notre Dame's favor. Um, but you could kind of see the writing on the wall in the first period when the teams combined for just seven shots. Um, Bayport was not going to let Notre Dame anywhere near the front of the net uh, with open ice. And for about 16 and a half minutes of the first period, that was absolutely true. Uh, Notre Dame did get a, a one-timer off with just like a second and a half left on the clock in the first period. Um, but Bayport's goalie, uh, Devin Rusley uh, made the save seven shots between the two teams in the first period. Uh, they both scored twice in the second two to two after two periods is exactly where those two teams were the first time they played this year. Um, Bayport took the lead 33 seconds into the third period, and you could kind of feel it in the arena, uh, even though Notre Dame was, uh, the deeper team and they were getting far more shots on goal. You could just kind of feel it in the arena. It felt like Bayport's night, uh, six minutes later, uh, Notre Dame tied it up six minutes after that Bayport took the lead again, all of a sudden it's four to three and time is winding down, but, uh, with two twenty-four left on the clock, uh, Brendan Gruber, Gruber tipped in a, a Michael McIntyre shot, um, to, to make it four, four. Then we went to overtime, eight minute overtime, solved nothing. And then due to, Bad rule writing uh, is what I'm going to call it. Uh, they sent the teams to the locker rooms, resurfaced the ice, and played a five-on-five 17-minute five, um, second overtime, which means per the WIA, this game was actually a four-to-four four tie because they used an alternate overtime procedure. Uh, Coach McCracken has told me they will have that corrected in the future so that the Fox River Classic Conference will use whatever the WIA's established overtime procedure is. Um, so instead of playing the three on three for five minutes, they went back to a, uh, five on five, 17 minute overtime period, but they didn't need it. Uh, it was just a couple minutes into the period when Brendan Gruber roofed a, a wrist shot from the slot, uh, up over the glove hand of Rusley, uh, to make it a five, four Notre Dame win in double overtime. Um, come interesting notes for both these teams. Both of them had sophomores in the net. Um, in a conference championship game. One of those teams obviously is ranked fourth in the state. They both got sophomore goalies. Bayport only has two seniors on the team at all. Um, and their starting line of uh, Sam Lyons, Will Lyons, and Nick Voss probably played 35 plus minutes in the game. And Nick Voss was also on another line um, with uh, Brady Gilbertson, and I forget who the other one was. Like he was centering two lines. He had to play 40 minutes of a 51 minute hockey game. Uh, he was always on the ice. He had two of Bayport's goals. Um, that line of Lions, Lions, and Voss is as good as um, any line I've seen watching Notre Dame twice this year, watching Eau Claire Memorial, watching Wausau West. Uh, that line's as good as any of the lines uh, on those teams. Um, they, they really worked hard and looked really good. Uh, big difference between this game and Burglar's game between Hudson and Eau Claire Memorial is I think I saw two body checks the entire game. Um, these are two uh, finesse teams that would rather move the puck and pass it around on the, the big sheet of ice at Cornerstone than uh, uh, play a good old-fashioned snot knocker. Uh, but, yeah, it was, a, it was a fantastic game. You couldn't ask for a better game in a conference championship game. Or was that MJ? You were on mute. Yeah. Uh, so learn how to use the computer. Um, sounds like it was just one of those games just tight to the vest. I mean, nobody, you know, it just sounded like a really tight game, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Cause it was, it was. And ultimately it was Notre Dame's special teams play that, that kept them in it. They had a shorthanded go goal. Um, I mean, it's Quinn Kazarik had the goal on the score sheet, but that play belonged to Captain Kellen Buttinger. 
um, the the puck got dumped down towards the the Bayport zone, and he outraced the Bayport defenseman back into the corner, and then he outmuscled him around the net and got it out front to Kazarik, who had an easy um, one timer from the front of the net from the pass out back. That goal was all Buttinger all the way. Um, you've seen goals like that before, where the guy with the assist. Uh, deserves all the credit. That was that was an amazing shorthanded goal. And then they got a power play goal, uh, Isaac Rentmeester. Um, Notre Dame has had a lot of trouble on the power play this year. They're only at 16% uh, for a team with that talent level. That's, that's pretty bad. Uh, but Isaac Rentmeester's job on the power play is to stand in front of the net. Um, and every now and then you'll get a power play where like you know, you, a lot of times, you know, that guy in front of the net will shift off to the corner if, if the puck goes around the net and then the guy from the other side goes in front of the net. No, Notre Dame does not do that. Isaac Rentmeester, all six, three of them, his job is to stand in front of the net. And he did it, and he he tipped one in on the power play. Um, and that shorthanded goal and that power play goal, those special teams is really what saved the game for Notre Dame and what looked like a, could have been a huge upset for Bayport. And if that name sounds familiar, that Rentmeester, it's because we talked about Isaac's sister, Grace, earlier, who plays for the Fox City Stars. Um, and, you know, well, he's, if he's playing for Notre Dame, well, why isn't uh, Grace on, like, uh, Bay Area? Um, they actually live in Wrightstown, which is somewhere in between Green Bay and uh, Appleton. And um, I believe they're the only hockey players at Wrightstown High School. Um, and they petitioned uh, Bay Area um, for Wrightstown to join their co-op because Grace Rattmeister had played her youth hockey in with the, the Bay Area, uh, the, the, the youth hockey program there in, in Green Bay. Um, but uh, Bay Area said no. Um, so they petitioned uh, the Fox City Stars, to, you know, for Wrightstown to join their co-op, and they they accepted. And so Wrightstown is part of the Fox City's co-op. So uh, you know, after school, you know, Grace heads west. Well, her I was Notre Dame, um, but yeah. So the the dad's got a split time between you know Green Bay and. Uh, I think it's Nina where Fox cities plays most of their games, but yeah, I, yeah, I ran into their dad at that tournament over in, uh, Chippewa falls or our tournament over in Chippewa falls. Let's call it that. Um, got the whole rundown on the, you know, why one rent meester is in green Bay and the other one's in Appleton. Yeah. And even if, um, he wasn't going to Notre Dame rights town is with Ashwabanon. Uh, in boys hockey, uh, Green Bay youth hockey feeds Bayport, Ashwaubenon, and Notre Dame. I mean, it'd be nice to have Green Bay United back at some point, but I mean, Green Bay youth hockey is already feeding into three teams. Well, we got our uh, Madison, Radisson Madison Players of the Week. Uh, got a lot of votes this week, and Dell, you've got our winners of the. Players of the Week, brought to you by the Radisson Madison of Madison. And this week, we start out with the boys' side. On Tuesday, our Player of the Week had three goals, two assists, and a 6-5 to five win over Oregon. On Thursday, he had four goals, one assist, and a 7-2 to two win over Sun Prairie. So out of 13 goals that his team scored, he either had a goal or an assist on 10 of those 13. And our Radisson Madison Boys Player of the Week is Nick Mass, a forward from Sauk Prairie. And on the girls' side, on Tuesday evening, we had a, our player had three goals, no assists, and a four to three win over the Central Wisconsin Storm. On Thursday, she had three goals, one assist, and a six to nothing win over Arrowhead. And on Friday, two goals, one assist, and a four to one win over the Eau Claire Area Stars. And so she had a total of 10 points 
out of 14 goals that her team scored. And that is Michaela Zillish, a forward for the Fox City Stars. And those are our Radisson Madison players of the week. Yeah, Nick Mast is a senior for Soccer Prairie this year. Uh, he has 181 career points now. That's pretty good. Uh, and Michaela Zillich is a senior, although it feels like she's been on the Stars for 12 years. Uh, she is a senior this year. Uh, she has 175 points in her four years with the Stars. So, yeah, And I believe uh, even last year she was our – Janelle Sergi award winner as the top forward in the state. I believe so. so. It's probably so we're probably late in getting her in as player of the week. <laughs> <laughs> we got well, our top year, sixes. Go ahead, Dell. This year, you know, I, I think we've probably had more goalies this year as player of the week than we've had in any one year in the past. I don't know that it's more than we've had in any one year, but we've certainly had a, a bunch right here the last several weeks. Bill Jr., you want to hand out the top six list? Sure. Uh, for Division One boys, the top four are the same they were last week. Hudson, Eau Claire Memorial, Eau Claire North, and uh, Notre Dame Academy. Uh, Eau Claire Memorial did not get any first place votes this week like they did last week, so Hudson is unanimous. Uh, and then on the bottom of the top six, uh, Madison Edgewood moved up one to fifth, and Nina Hortonville Menasha dropped one to sixth. Uh, uh, Division two, uh, the top two are the same St. Mary's Springs and Rice Lake are one and two. Springs is not unanimous this week. Uh, Rice Lake uh, did get some first place votes. Uh, Baldwin Woodville moves up from sixth to third. Uh, and then Amory, New Richmond, and Oregon all dropped one. Uh, to fourth, fifth, and sixth. And then in the girls, the top three are the same they were last week. Uh, Bay Area, Fox Cities, and Central Wisconsin are one, two, and three. Uh, on Alaska moved up two spots to fourth after beating the Madison Metrolinx. Uh, St. Croix Valley stayed in the same spot at fifth, and the Metrolinx dropped two spots from fourth to sixth. Guys, any surprises you see there? I was surprised that St. Mary Springs lost to Brookfield. Yeah, I was kind of surprised about that one, too. And it's one of those that games a, that it wasn't a one goal game or anything. I mean, it was what, like four to one? Four to two, I think. Four to two. It was, I mean, these are high school hockey players. I mean, things happen. You can, you can, you know, you can beat a team that you're not supposed to beat. And it's nice to see when that happens. Uh, Rice Lake, uh, for their part, um, just existing in the Big Rivers Conference is, is, does a lot for them. Uh, they're nine and five this year, and all of their losses are conference games. <laughs> um, yeah, MJ. Yeah, the, yeah. Springs. It wasn't like it was a it was a one goal game. No, it was four to two with an empty netter. Um, so ah, okay, it basically, it was a one netter, goal game. It was a one goal okay. game. I don't know what I'm talking about. Don't listen to me. <laughs> yeah, Still, Rice Lake, you got it. Rice Lake in that number two spot. If you look at their non-conference schedule, they beat Amory three to one. They're ranked. They beat Mozanie seven to four. They have been ranked. Uh, they beat Lakeland four to one. They have been ranked. They beat Hayward two to one. They were ranked earlier in the season. They beat New Richmond. Oh, that's a conference game. Seven to three. Mm-hmm. So against their their D two fellows. Um, Rice Lake is is really putting it together. Their only losses this season, like I said, are Hudson, Eau Claire North, North Eau Claire Memorial, and Chippewa Falls. I mean, uh, they're not in our top six, but according to the computer rankings, Chippewa Falls is eighth in D1. So, uh, yeah, outside of, you know, D1 top tens, Rice Lake is undefeated. I'm primed to go for a long uh, playoff run which is, guys, if I think it's, what, about three weeks from tomorrow night it all gets started? Should be soon. Let's see. we got February a couple more weeks. Two weeks from today. Or February 7th is two weeks from today. So. Uh, we've got at least one conference tournament is the weekend of the 12th. So then the playoffs should start the 19th, 26th, and then this state tournament on the weekend of the 5th. Is that right? Yeah, so the last 
the the last games that we have on the schedule are the 12th of february that's saturday so i'd imagine they will start on the following tuesday which is not quite valentine's day but and then i guess uh you always deliver when it comes to valentine's day to the lovely mrs berg as you call her well unless there's a hockey game i have to go to um, but well and I mean, she won't be home that that is that is the anniversary also well, i was smart i was smart enough to get married on valentine's day so i would never be able to forget my anniversary well, valentine's day this year will be a podcast night oh she's gonna be up in minnesota anyway oh she will be yeah that's right she's leaving me temporarily we we think <laughs> upcoming games of the week have rhinelander at mozanie and uh black river falls the girls taking on the icebergs on saturday so uh, that's what WIPH has for games of the week. Yeah, we're 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 uh, obviously we're looking forward to um, the Great Northern Conference uh, tournament. That's that uh, last the, the the second week in February. There, um, we'll have the the Badger the Badgerland uh, tournament coming up the weekend before that. Um, but the, the it's. Interesting the way things are shaping up right now in the, the great Northern Conference. Um, I mean, Rhinelander has one loss in the conference. Mozanie has one loss in the conference. Uh, Lakeland has one loss in the conference. Um, Anago only has two. They just, they handed Mozanie their first loss. Um, so, yeah, we got to take a look and see what some of these teams look like in the, in the great Northern Conference because oh, the only one we've seen so far is Lakeland and, and they, they've got a solid team. Uh, we saw that, but, uh, you know, kind of suspicious when, when you see Rhinelander up there at the top of the tournament, you got to figure what the, what the heck's going on here. Um, so the we'll power go, of the whole egg. Yeah. We'll, we'll go see them in person, see if they're for real or not. Uh, tomorrow night, just, uh, down the road in, in Mosinee. I mean, Rhinelander was for real last year. They had a pretty good run before losing to Lakeland in the, is it the sectional final or the semifinal? Whatever. I know you don't ever want to admit that Rhinelander is playing well. Well, you know, the other thing that's going on there. Trash, you know, trash ahead is Northland Pines girls team. I got my old egg boys team. And I have Spash. <laughs> well, the other thing that's going on this weekend is the Groundhog Tournament down there at Sun Prairie. And they'll actually have their opening round starting Tuesday night. And then on Friday night, the next round, they'll actually have four games happening there at Sun Prairie, isolating on Friday evening. So. I spent some, Dell, I spent some time on the phone with the head coach of Waukesha, uh, Raja Aylesworth, and his uh, Waukesha squad looking forward to going over there and playing in that, uh, in that tournament, the Groundhog Tournament, possibly looking at a Friday night matchup against Madison Edgewood. And, uh, that would be a pretty good matchup. Waukesha has Tyler Dale, who's one of the leading scorers in the state. And, you know, Edgewood's got a deep squad and, you know, could be a pretty good matchup. And I know uh, Waukesha's kind of looking forward to it if it comes down to that. But that would be a Friday game. You know, it, I, I'm sitting here and I'm looking at it and I'm saying, you know, you look at the first round games and you've got Monona Grove at Wanakee, Madison Memorial versus Sun Prairie, uh, KMMO against Waukesha, and then Edgewood against Oregon in your opening round and stuff. So, I, I, you know, looking at that, I go that Madison Edgewood Oregon could be an, an interesting opening opening round game there. Uh, they, they have played once already this year in which Edgewood won that. Um, but they, this time, I think it's going to be on Oregon's home ice. So, who knows what happens on Tuesday evening? Yeah, when you look at Burglar it, and I are going to four games this week. When you look at those uh, groundhog matchups, you know, those four are kind of pretty good. I mean, the Wanakee, uh, Monona Grove one could get a little bit out of hand, but 
I mean, the other three look like they could be pretty fairly good matchups. So, yep, be interesting to be talking about all of it on next Monday. Yep. Our final thoughts. This show is about history for the week. And uh, state tournaments coming up shortly, as we just alluded to a little bit ago. And uh, Bill Jr. has got a few things he wants to uh, wants to talk about coming to the state tournament. Junior? Sure. Um, some of you may not know. The first three, four, five seasons that we had Wisconsin Prep Hockey on Sports Engine, we actually charged the coaches in the States uh, $100 per team to maintain their stats for them. And over the years, as our traffic and ad revenue went up, that was no longer necessary. We provide that to the coaches for free. Uh, everything we provide uh, to the coaches is for free. Um, we used to actively sell ads on the website, which we might have to start doing again. Um, but our rad revenue picked up and, you know, we stopped doing that. You know, we just, our ad revenue pays for the state tournament. That's always what it's been for. Uh, it pays for the state tournament. And uh, with our new mobile friendly site redesign, uh, one of the things we lost was a decent chunk of our ad revenue, um, like 75% of it. Um, and we're working with Sports Engine, hopefully, to get some of that coming back. But as it is right now, uh, we need help if we want to cover the state tournament. Uh, as Burler talked about earlier, we're, you know, he and I are covering four games this week. Uh, we're going to Mozanie on Tuesday. We're, you know, staying here in Wausau on Thursday. And then we're doing two games in Hudson, which is a three and a half hour drive there and back, you know, three and a half hours each way uh, on Saturday. So, I mean, that's, that's something we do out of pocket because we enjoy it. Um, but, you know, when it comes to the state tournament, you've got hotels, you have uh, all the fees you have to pay to the WIAA, uh, media credentials, yeah, the drive, parking. It, it, just, it gets to be a lot of money for, you know, an organization like ours, which is, you know, basically, you know, four volunteers who are doing this because we like it. Uh, gets to be an expensive proposition. So, you know, this year uh, for the first time in, in many, many years, we're asking for some help. Uh, if you can, uh, you know, throw in five bucks, 10 bucks, 20 bucks, you know, whatever you're comfortable with, uh, there's a big button on the top of the site that says donate WIPH. Just click that and uh, fire someone over on PayPal. We would really appreciate it. Um, it goes a long way. Uh, we're not using it to buy booze. Uh, you know, we're using it to, you buy booze with your own money. We're using it to, to cover our state <laughs> tournament costs. Um, and, you know, some of those costs include the awards we hand out at the end of the year, um, the suite uh, that we get at the, the Alliant Energy Center, where many, many fans over the course of the tournament come in and say hi. And, you know, we, we, we chat. Um, so, you know, anything you can kick in to help, uh, we do appreciate it. You know, even booster clubs that, you know, have money. I mean, Talk to your booster club, bring it up at one of the meetings that, uh, you know, four guys that cover the state the best they can and, you know, lend a great service to uh, high school hockey that could use a little help. And um, we would sure appreciate any of it. So, guys, anything else you want to talk about while we're here? We already covered the football uh, playoff system. Okay. Uh, I do have one thing. So, Junior brought up awards. Uh, the Hobie Baker Character Award for high school. They've got two weeks left of voting to be able to turn their names in uh, of a senior from your team for this award. And I actually got numbers from Jim Hayes this morning. Out of our high school boys teams, 21 names have been turned in so far. Out of our high school girls team, we've had five names turned in. That's less than 20% of the teams represented on the girls side. And I couldn't remember the number of boys' teams to divide that one up. It's still only about a quarter. Still only 20, 21 names on the boys' side. You've got two weeks left to turn those names in. And we really think there's a lot of our seat. There's a lot of seniors out there that would love to have that award. There's a lot of seniors out there very deserving of that award. So coaches, do your job and put your player out there for the Hobie Baker Award. Okay, guys, anything else? 
I tallied it up earlier this week and decided, determined that the four of us have seen and written about 44 teams, different Wisconsin teams so far this year, which I think is pretty good um, considering that, you know, MJ very obviously um, can't be doing a lot of hockey this year and nobody's holding that against him. So, you know, not that I don't between, want to believe me. Yeah. I know you, I know you do, but you have more important things to be doing. Um, so yeah, the, we've seen 44 teams and gotten them on the site this year. I know there's the perception out there that we really only care about the teams that are ranked, but there are not 44 ranked teams in the state. Every team wants a little bit of love. No doubt about that. Even Ryan Good point to bring up even Ryan Lander. <laughs> <laughs> Hail to the Hodag. Oh, where are we sending? Am I going to hear from Jeff Paulson tomorrow again? Brian Paulson. Brian Paulson. His dad's Jeff Paulson. Yeah, I'm going to hear from Brian Paulson again tomorrow. Brian, you know I'm just kidding, sort of. (laughs) All right, guys, is that about it? It is about it. That that we're about we're falling off the rails here. So for the Berg times two, Dell and myself. Thanks for listening. We'll do better next week. You've been listening to this week on Wisconsin Prep Hockey. You didn't even say the name of the show right. This week in Wisconsin Prep. What did I say? On Wisconsin Prep. You said on. On Wisconsin. On Wisconsin. Oh, and uh, as far as the NFL playoff overtime thing, they didn't change it for Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning was in an overtime game where he never got the ball. They didn't change it for him. They're not going to change it for what the hell that guy's name is in Buffalo. Josh Allen. Yeah. They didn't change for Peyton Manning. They're not changing it for Josh Allen.